Hello and welcome to the Lights on a Screen podcast. I am your host, Jacob, and with me, as always, is a, uh, a very upset Chargers fan. Taylor, how are you? You know, I'm in mourning <laughs> currently. Uh, dragged myself out of bed to do this. And while the movies we're going to be talking about might not be the worst movies I've ever seen... The way that I'm going to take my frustration <laughs> out on them is probably going to feel that way. <laughs> so, for for those of you who are not sport heads and and not uh, are more movie people, because you're listening to a movie podcast and not uh, sports people, the uh, Los Angeles Chargers very much blew a playoff. They chargered game. it. <laughs> They absolutely chargered it, and I'm so upset. I knew it was going to happen. I knew it. I knew them going up 27 to 0 meant nothing. And I'm still so furious. And so now we're going to talk movies. I'm going to try to forget about the fact that I like sports just generally as a human because I can't can't do it right now. <laughs> and uh, recovering from this week's double feature, we are also joined by Elena. Hello, yeah. Um... This is going to be an interesting episode. <laughs> for two, we'll, we'll get into it. I, yeah. I won't spoil what's going to happen, but um, it's it's been an interesting week for the start of twenty twenty three movies. Um, yeah, it's my favorite time of the year when you like when you start doing your lists because I, I like I have you know the list of every movie you've watched and you're looking at it and you're like huh, the number one movie is a movie I hate. <laughs> it's just the number it's- one movie is a two star movie. What's yeah. going on? <laughs> Uh, this week on the show, we are diving into the latest Guy Ritchie spy film, and we spend some time with a robotic doll that obsesses over protective, protecting its owner. Plus, we'll look back on all the nominations from the Guild Awards that were announced this week. And before we get into that, though, Taylor, what do you think of the Ant-Man trailer? No. <laughs> give give me the... Drop, drop the full... Um, Elton John remix of that song that uh-huh. they use for the trailer and literally scrap everything else. And maybe we can keep Jonathan Majors. Mm. Maybe. But that's about that's about it. Like the, listen. No. Like I just am so tired of looking at these movies and being like there's one shot in particular in the trailer that does it for me, but the whole thing is guilty of it to some extent. So tired of watching these movies and looking at it and being like, this entire thing is shot on a green screen, and I can tell. Mm. Like, the one shot where they, quote unquote, first go into the realm, and it's Scott and his daughter standing there, and you're looking at their backs. Yeah. And, and it's like a, it's a 360, a 360 shot. shot. Yeah. I'm like, that is the most green screen bullshit I have ever seen in my life. And it's just, I've talked about it, I think, when we were talking about Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. It just never feels immersive anymore because I can, it's flat and I can tell that they're staring at a green screen. And I feel like if they reach out and try and touch something, it's just going to be hologram effect. Like, there's just nothing is tangible in front of them at any point. Except maybe when they're in the Baskin Robbins, like that might be real. Mm. But like, even then, you never even know. then, I don't yeah. actually know. Uh, but like, it's, I don't know. I'm a sucker for music, so I listen to that remix, and I'm yeah. like, hell yeah, <laughs> let me bump this <laughs> and scrap everything else. But, like, I just, 
And it sucks because I think Jonathan Majors is great and I think he's at a point in his career right now where he's very much on the up and up and I will be talking about him in a minute. <laughs> but it's just like, uh, I watched the Creed 3 trailer and I'm like, hell yeah. And then I watched the Ant-Man trailer and I'm like, oh, oh no. <laughs> oh, I don't, it's just, and it's so stupid too because it's something that should be exciting. Like we're getting into the multiverse, like quantum realm, like we're getting into all that really cool, crazy sci-fi stuff, which is the kind of stuff that I really enjoy. And it just feels so inconsequential and so just like fake and just like the stakes, the stakes of having Kang in this trailer versus having Kang in the first season of Loki, like just feel different. It's so different. Hmm. Like, I don't know. I, don't listen. Any MCU fans that are mad at me right now, don't at me. I have all my social media <laughs> muted at the moment because I'm dealing with the sports side of not wanting to look at social media. So if you're going to come after me, I'm not going to see it. Let's just not go there. It's just, it looks not great. And this that's isn't how the, I feel. Not this week. Not this week. To come after me and you're going to lose this week. I promise. Alana? Yeah. I mean, kind of echo the same thing. Um, I've watched it like five times now because it's just on before every fucking movie. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's whatever. I'm kind of excited for the movie, but I just keep with Marvel projects now. I just keep like lowering my expectations so I don't get overly disappointed. Mm. But I did love Kang and like Loki is one of my, um, probably my my all-time favorite Marvel project. Mm. So bouncing off of that, those themes, I guess, and I also do love Ant-Man. Um, I'm hoping that I'll be at least, in, like, I'll at least enjoy it, but you never know with Marvel these days, so it's uh, it's 50-50 on me. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of the same. This, uh, they just, I, and, and it's not just the fact that it's all fake and CGI. It's just the fact that it all feels fake and CGI. But that's what like, I mean. There's nothing wrong with no. using all CGI. Yeah. Like, look, look at, at Avatar. Avatar. Like, Avatar's the perfect example. You can do it. Yeah, like, you watch Avatar and you go, this feels real. Like I, I feel like it's a world that I can physically touch, that I that is out there and I can feel. I look at this Ant Man trailer and that, that, that shot in shot. that shot in particular when they it's when they first get to the quantum realm and they're all looking around and it's like, Oh, this is Spy Kids and And it doesn't help that the quantum suits literally look like the exact ones from Spy Kids. <laughs> and then, I look at that and yeah. all I can think is Spy Kids, Jacob. <laughs> and like you just look at it and you're like, this just looks cheap. And I, that's the biggest problem with it is I don't ever feel the weight. I don't ever feel like these are tangible because it looks cheap and nasty, which. Which ha- is not the fault of the uh, VFX people, by the no. way. We are not ragging on no, the VFX it, it, people. No, it's the fault of there's too many projects. They're trying to do too much. They're not getting paid enough. No, and that's and we yeah we we've talked about that in other episodes, and I just I don't know what it's going to take for me to get excited for a Marvel movie again. Yeah, Um, that's fair. Because right now it's really difficult for me to get excited for a Marvel movie. Even even the fact that I love Paul Rudd and I love Jonathan Majors is not enough for me to be like, yeah, I'm going to at least enjoy this movie. Like, I hope I do. Yeah. But the trailer, the tra- dropping a trailer is supposed to be something that gets your audience excited mm. for it. And the stuff they've shown me so far, 
Like not, not really. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like you're going to, it's really going to have to be a, a pretty solid movie to, to sell me on it. Cause the last couple we've gotten have just left me a little, yeah. Yeah. You know, and especially if we get back onto a track where they're releasing movies every couple of months, like if they're doing three or four a year. Yeah. Like I, I don't know if I'm going to be able, <laughs> I might just stick to watching Loki yeah, and that's kind of my. Well, I'm I thing. I've given up on TV. Like every well, I, 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 I like, have yeah. as well, but I love Loki's probably my f- mm. like you know I agree it's probably my favorite pro like project mm. at this point, and I'm really excited for season two. But everything else, like I still haven't watched Moon Knight. Like I haven't brought myself to mm. like. It's just I don't have, and I love Oscar Isaac. Okay, mm. he looks hot AF <laughs> in all of the photos and all the yep, footage and yep, stuff I've yep. seen, and I'm just like I don't know if I can do it. Like I just, I don't know. Like that that spark that used to have me just so mm. they had my trust for such a long time. Yeah. Where I went in and I was like, this brand has given themselves a reputation where I can go in excited. Yeah, and I just don't feel that a lot but of the time. I saw someone. I'm sorry, I can't remember who tweeted this, but I saw someone who put up, you know, I I used to get up at 6 a.m. in the morning to watch WandaVision every, when when they would drop because they would drop at midnight for the U.S. So that people would get up at or 3 a.m. if you lived in New York. And so people would get up at 6 a.m. just before they went to work to watch it. And he was like, I can't even imagine yeah, doing that Yeah, when WandaVision now. dropped, it was like a thing yeah. like i was so excited every episode was like yep. so epic i was there as soon as it dropped yep. and now it's like like i got around to moon Knight when i could and mm. i did enjoy it in the end but like it was like the excitement's just dropped off if yeah. i wasn't like doing this podcast i probably would probably wait a few weeks to see the marvel movies too yeah like well if we didn't get screenings i don't know if i'd be going opening weekend like yeah, exactly. at, at that point like it's just we're at that point i think with the marvel movies that and I, and I don't know how to f- how they fix it. And that's, I think, like outside of we really cut back and they start going back to just making them look a lot more authentic. But We'll see. At least this one's only like two hours, so it's not yeah. like they have to suffer through it for like that's so fair. long. <laughs> Who knows? We could really enjoy it. That's I, I'm hoping we I'm do. Hoping like, we I, hope do. We I, do. I hope we do. But. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on to what have we been watching this week? Elena. What have you been watching? I, ahead of Scream 6 coming out, it is Scream 6, right? Yes. <laughs> I um, love how we all double check with each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's now, it is now, yeah, it's called Scream 6. Yeah. Yes, Scream, Scream 2, Scream 3, Scream 4, Scream, Scream 6. Yeah. Love, love that. Awesome. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I've watched the original Scream like ages ago, um, but I haven't watched any of the others, so I'm catching up on all those now. Um the original is obviously like iconic. Everyone loves it, and you can't not love it. The second one I liked. Um, it was like it was good, and I do love meta commentary. Mm. Like it's something that for some people it can be like dull and like oh shut the fuck up. But mm. I really enjoy it and find it really funny. So I love all the like sequel commentary that is playing on. And then Scream Three was okay. <laughs> Scream like uh, Scream Three's. Scream 3 is probably the roughest for everyone. Okay. Um, because that was the one that Kevin Williamson stood, walked away from mm. um, and was very much the one that Weinstein was pushing, I want this now. Like, yeah. you, you can't. Williamson wanted a year because he, he wanted to go make his own movie. And Weinstein said, No, I want this movie now. And so Williamson walked away, which, yeah, is why 3 is probably the one that's 
least regarded. Fair. Um, it was still like good, and I had a good time with it. But yeah, just compared to the others, I was yeah. like, eh. Um, I haven't watched four yet, but I'll probably watch that tomorrow because I'm basically watching one a day at this point. Um, but I am enjoying them, and I do see why they're so iconic and why mm. you, Jacob, love them so much. Yeah. Um, because it does. It's just such a good balance of horror and comedy, and. As we'll discuss later on, there's not a lot of movies that can do that very well. Um, and so... Scream 2 has my favourite, has, I think, one of the, my favourite, most, like, tense moments of the entire series hmm. in the back of the car. That whole sequence yeah. in the back of the car yeah. is my is one of just my favourite sequences just because it's so tense and terrifying. Yeah. I, I just love it so much. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I've been doing this week. Obviously, I've watched a few other things, but nothing too notable. So, screen. Taylor. So, I've been watching a couple of things. I watched a documentary about Roger Federer and a documentary about Serena and Venus Williams. The Serena and Venus Williams documentary, somehow I was the first and only person to ever log it on, um, yeah. on Letterboxd. <laughs> Literally the first person on Letterboxd. When I watched it, and I was like, that's never going to happen to me again. So that's interesting. Um, when did you watch it? They were both on Stan. Oh, okay. Um, and they're new releases, like right. they're 2023 ones, but it was still weird like to have that be a thing. <laughs> um, the Williams sisters one's fine. Federer, Federer one is really awkward like the narrator they have sounds like an ai like you know those youtube what? videos with like the ai generated like it kind of sounds like that Ew. and then throughout the thing like they randomly like at least five or six times cut to this random b-roll footage of him at the academy awards <laughs> like and i don't um, and they never talk about like like there's no i don't know anyway so i watched those um, and then I got around finally to watching Decision to Leave, mm -hmm. and I went in without knowing anything good, about it, Good, which highly recommend if you can, <laughs> yeah. because by the end you're sitting there going, I don't know what I expected, but I don't quite think it was whatever that was. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not going to talk about it too much, because you still haven't watched it, no, Jacob. No, I need to watch it. And I don't want to ruin it for anyone who hasn't, because my experience, like, I want everyone to have that if mm -hmm. you can. But it is a journey. Like, it's... Yeah, it's a whole, it's a ride. Like, I definitely recommend everyone checking it out. Um, and I'm going to kind of leave it at that just because I don't want to ruin it for anyone. I finally got around to watching Devotion. I had to buy it on the American <laughs> iTunes to watch it because it's still not available here in Australia anywhere. Like, you can't rent it. It hasn't gotten a theatrical release. Like, there's just no. I don't even know if we're going to get it. We probably won't because this country hates movies and <laughs> capitalism and just everything. Um, but I finally got around to watching it, and I'm actually kind of frustrated because it did end up in my top ten. Like, but, like, and then we had already done our episode where we talked about everything. But like, God damn it! I know. So it was a whole thing. But this movie, I'm so furious about the fact that. Jonathan Majors is not a front runner for like a lead performance this year. Like this movie is like it's a blessing and a curse that it came out the same year as Top Gun. Like I don't know. It's just one of those performances that I you came out when I finished watching it. <laughs> it was like the experience with All Quiet on the Western Front all over again where you walk out and I'm just like sobbing. <laughs> 
which 10 out of 10, like that's the, that that needed to be the reaction at the end of this film. If that doesn't happen, it's not effective in, in its storytelling because it's that kind of story. But like, he is remarkable in this movie. Like he is just something else. And I tweeted about this, but like, I am glad we got this the same year as Top Gun because then I can watch this movie and then I can double feature it. Like when I need hope, like again for life, I can put Top Gun on after it as like a double feature. And I get the double feature of Glenn Powell being shirtless beach ball, beach football scene. Like a sun is always setting like that aesthetic. But then I get the performance of like him crying with Jonathan Majors and giving me like the whole you know, ripping my soul out and stomping on it. I get both, which is great. We love that. We love range in this house, okay? Get both ends of the spectrum here. Um, so yeah, watch Devotion, great. Would highly recommend it. Um, those are really the two, like, new new ones that I watched outside of the ones we're going to talk about. Um, so it was a pretty good... The ones I chose to watch because I wanted to were very good. The ones I watched because we needed to talk about them. <laughs> I balanced it out, folks. I, I found a way to, oh, you know, good. enjoy my movie watching to some extent. Um, me, on the other hand, uh, I have I had a bit of a rough week. Uh, so because of Operation Fortune coming out, I decided I was going to sit down. And because I was still sick. Uh, I'm going to sit down and do all 13 Guy Ritchie movies. I've learned very quickly. I am not a Guy Ritchie fan. <laughs> um, so before I, w- I went into this, I'd seen, I'd seen most of his like major stuff. Um, I had seen like, sorry, his popular stuff. So I had seen Sherlock Holmes, the, like both of those. I had seen Man from Uncle, Gentleman and Aladdin and Wrath of Man. They were my five. But I hadn't seen any of his gangster stuff. So, like, Lockstock, Snatch, Revolver, Rock and Roll. I hadn't seen any of those. Um, I rock, uh, Lockstock's kind of really the only one I liked out of the gangster ones just because – and it, I kind of liked it because it's one of those ones where it's just – it's got the charm of, oh, this movie was made with no money and you can really tell, like, it's just a – it's very much style over substance made with no money, them just throwing everything that they can behind this one film and hoping that it all sticks. And there's something charming just about indie films like that, that you kind of, if it, if it, if the script and style isn't absolutely abhorrent, I kind of like those kind of movies where you just kind of like go, okay, I can I can see where it goes from here. Uh, I didn't like Snatch at all. Um, I I just thought it's I, I I just was bored by it for the most part. Revolver I think is trying way too hard. Rock and Roller I didn't like, and then his awful film Swept Away. Swept Away was is the remake he did with his then wife Madonna. And it's horrifically bad. Absolutely terrible. Madonna is terrible in it. Um, it's, it's the best. Uh, so for those of you who've never seen either this version or the original Italian version, um, imagine the last, uh, the, the ending of Triangle of Sadness, but played completely straight 
and like an actual love story. Like so yeah. the the relationship <laughs> between um Dolly and Harris at the end mm. of the film, like that is a is played completely straight, but oh and reverse the genders and um Right. And <laughs> as an actual love story, not commentary on yeah and like tongue in cheek yeah like and not you know hey this is commentary on as symbolism of capitalism yeah. and and yeah like I, I just it really didn't work for me at all and like mm-hmm. watching it i'm like okay i can see where the original may have worked because i've never seen the original italian film i could see where the original worked because if they've got chemistry it could maybe work and if it's not as Wow, you hate women, as this one is. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, these two have these two actors have absolutely no chemistry whatsoever, and it's very clear he hates Madonna. So, um, yeah, it's it, it, not good movie at all. Um, but there is the one, and you give me crap for this, but there is the one that I really love, and it's. The one movie of his where it it's amazing watching them all in a row because it comes out of nowhere just how confident of a filmmaker he is when he does is the gentleman. The opening five minutes of the gentleman, you're just like, oh, okay, you now have confidence. Where did this come from? Oh, <laughs> uh, and because it just dives straight into it. The script I think is a lot better and well written compared to his other films. Um, and it gives us you know, despite how absolutely racist and sexist it is. Yeah. And, and the final 15 minutes are abhorrently sexist. Mm-hmm. I just still have fun with it. I think I, I there are scenes and moments with characters that I think are genuinely funny. I think Colin uh, Farrell is having a ball in this movie. And I really love Hugh Grant's character. Uh, I think Hugh, Hugh Grant's journalist character is absolutely hilarious. Um, and we'll talk about that later because he brings it back for Operation Fortune and I don't think it works. Um, but so, yeah, I, uh, overall, I am not a fan of Guy Ritchie. Uh, I like one or two of his movies uh, and this was this was rough. This was really rough going through all of his films. So uh, Yeah, I applaud you for even attempting to because one God. day i one day i'm really tempted to see you do it uh, that is literally <laughs> never gonna happen in my whole lifetime i would like to use my time wisely thank you very much because you've seen you've you've seen three of them i think you've seen gentlemen you've seen now you've seen operation fortune and, and aladdin, aladdin. Yeah. i think that's because you've never seen the sherlock movies no you wouldn't have seen any of these gangsters no. you see man from uncle no okay and you didn't see Wrath of Man last no. year. Yeah. Yeah, and Gentleman is, oh, oh my God. I, I'm not going to get into it. I despise that movie so much. But anyway. All right. Uh, let's, all right, let's move on to our Academy Awards discussion. So obviously yes. this week uh, we'll, we'll start it off with the big ceremony. We had our first one. Uh, probably the most meaningless ceremony in all of them, but for some, but because NBC has the uh, stream, the rights to air it, people talk about it, and that was the uh, return of the 80th Golden Globe Awards. Uh, what did we think? Because we actually watched the ceremonies. We, we did. We did. Um, I am kind of a bit all over the place with it. Um, one, like, I'm kind of like. 
none of us should be like indulging this because they went away for a year and quote unquote fixed everything and mm. now they're back on TV. Like, okay, great. I'm glad that you completely overhauled and fixed literally nothing. All of your misogynistic, <laughs> racist, sexual abusey, you know, adjacent kind of thing. Like, mm. glad that's all fine now and everything's <laughs> been fixed after one year of not being on the air. Um, and also, I think the way that they tried to address it with like the humor with the host didn't really land very well. Mm. Like, I don't know. It, it kind of felt like they were trying to make fun of themselves so that like, I Hey, you can't, like, you can't be mad. We're, 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 we're lampshading yeah. this. Yeah. I don't know. It was just weird. Um, yeah. that, that whole vibe was really weird. And you could tell that the, like the crowd there, like the nominees and stuff, weren't like they were very split on their reactions to if they were enjoying like the comedy and the hosting and stuff or not which was really weird because usually golden globes crowd is like too drunk to really like they'll usually just laugh at whatever and have a good time and you know everyone's trashed so it was really interesting like in that kind of respect like it just felt kind of awkward like they were trying to find their footing and not everyone was really buying into it um but I did think that there were some really, really great moments with some really deserving winners, um, some really, you know, emotional moments that I think were important, and I'm glad that we got. But um, overall, it was a pretty mixed bag for me, I think. Um, for me, the the biggest thing you can take away from the Golden Globes is because personally, I don't think winners. I don't think you can take anything away. No, um, I've I've it's. I think there's something like 80 people who vote on the globe. So it's, and none of them are in the academy at all. So you can't, it's really hard to take who the globes give it to as meaningful. The biggest thing you take away from the globes is how did the audience react to certain wins? That to me is your biggest indicator. And I think we got two big indicators for who are going to win and go. And the reason I say that is that audience are Academy voters. Majority of them are people inside the Academy because they're in the um, SAGs and they're the ones who are going to be voting. And I think that is very important. So when you had a big winner like Kihu Kwan and Michelle Yeoh and the audience got very vocal in how happy that they were for them winning, yep. that is an indicator. And I think I think he is... I think he, with that speech and with the audience reaction, has a hundred percent locked best supporting actor. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't. Think it'll I, be at this point. It'll be a shock. Yeah. Like it'll be one of those. What the hell happened? Uh, yeah. yeah. It, it will be one of the biggest Oscar upsets ever if he does not win. I and I'll let you talk more about this, but I personally think Michelle Yeoh is has overtaken Michelle, uh, Kate Blanchett. Yeah, I, it's hard to tell. So, I mean, it's not early, but it is still quite early to call it. But, like, with that speech, I mean, I cry literally every time I watch it. Like, <laughs> sob. Like, not cry, sob. Like, I've watched it about five times now, and every time there's, like, just tears streaming down my face. And I think every – especially with that speech, everyone – kind of had that emotional reaction to seeing her win and also it hurt that Kate Blanchett wasn't at the Golden Globes so she won her award and they just said we're accepting this on her behalf and then that was it. Mm. So 
having such an emotionally charged speech and then the other Best Actress winner not be there at all really hurts Kate Blanchett's chances. And I also just think that the hype for Michelle Yeoh is really creeping up over Kate Blanchett. Maybe it's just my side of film Twitter that I'm on, mm. but I believe it can happen and I really hope it does. Uh, yeah, like I, I think that's I, – I think the other big key takeaway from here is this is the last televised awards before the Oscars. That is a big deal because um, Michelle Yeoh is the last one to give a massive speech. Mm-hmm. I think that is a very, very big deal going into what do people see. People are going to see that speech and that's going to be a factor of, oh, maybe I should watch that movie. And that's and that's essentially what we're getting at. Is there is it's not that people judge it based on oh what like what have I actually seen? Because you know, Academy vote if you've if you've never listened to this and you don't understand what who the Academy are and what they actually vote, they're not required to sit down and watch every single movie. Um they're not they're, they're working actors. They're working people within the industry. They don't really have time to watch every movie. So a lot of voters, they'll go, what can I watch? And what, what are the front runners and what should I watch? A Michelle Yeoh speech that gets the rounds on Twitter and everyone's talking about it. They'll be like, oh, okay. I'll s-. They'll find time to sit down and watch yeah. something like Everything Everywhere All at Once. because, Especially with two speeches. Exactly. For the movie. Yeah, they're that. like, oh, okay, I, I need to sit down and watch that. Something like Tar, it's a three-hour film. Again, it's a three-hour film that is not getting the same level of, oh, this thing, you need to watch you this. Need to see this yeah. yeah, like I... That I, does become an indicator. I feel like the thing that really, oh, at least for me, I've I haven't really heard anyone talk about the movie outside of Kate yeah, and her yeah. performance. Exactly. Like I think the whole movie is brilliant, and mm. I think it's a shame. But I just don't, you know, like it didn't take any awards outside of Kate, and she wasn't there to talk about the movie. Yeah. So like, if you watched that ceremony, you don't walk away going, "I need to check out Tar." Yeah, Like, it doesn't go to the top of your list after that. No, and that, I think, is a very big indicator. And I think we're going to start hearing more and more about Michelle Yeoh, especially with these other nominations. Um, I, You know, and the other ones that I do want to talk about, uh, where the hell is this Angela Bassett thing come from? We, Jacob and I texted each other as soon as it happened. And I was just like, what? Yeah. And you were like, what just happened? Where has this come from? I don't like she has not been on any of the precursors. She's not really been in the top five conversation until the last week or so. And I don't know where it's come from. She, you know, and then obviously she got a uh, a SAG one, which again is shocking to me. I, I don't know where any of this has come from. So maybe she does actually land this nomination. Uh, that one, and, and again, audience reaction. They were very happy when she did. That was mm-hmm. that was the other big indicator. She, she, they were all very happy. Um, uh, your favorite for original song? Do you? Oh yeah, um, yeah. So uh, that was honestly pretty surprising to me. Yeah, same. Um, I think not to not to definitely deserves it. Like I hope that it ends up taking home the Academy Award. It would be great. 
because to me, it's the most impactful original song that has come out from the last year of film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I cannot think of a single song that has had more of an impact culturally, internationally, mm-hmm. that is associated with the movie than mm-hmm. that song has. Anytime anyone's talking about the movie on Twitter, it's clips of that scene. Yeah. People, there are screenings in LA right now where people are getting up and dancing in the aisles at the middle of the theaters during that sequence. Like, it's just something that I don't know if we've ever quite seen before, mm. to be honest. Um, and they are, you know, hyping up and nominating the wrong Top Gun song. So that's what you get <laughs> when you do that. Sorry, not sorry that you're going to lose because you, uh, decided the beach volleyball song was not the way to go (laughs) you didn't learn after the first movie that you're hyping up the wrong song anyway um i thought it was great i thought the audience reaction was kind of disgusting to be honest um see i i had i'd left at that point so i there was about an hour there was very muted applause and people didn't really like outside of their table people didn't really seem very like that's interesting i don't know it was it was a weird it's kind of a weird vibe on the telecast. Um, but the fact that it was, it's the only, um, I think song from like the Asian region that's ever even been nominated, yeah. let alone one in that category for a golden globe is kind of nuts. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was really excited to see it win. I hope it gets an Academy award nomination for sure. Yeah. Um, I think the way that the screenings are going in LA right now is a big indicator that it, really could yeah. uh, step in and take some nominations that people weren't expecting it to. The cast and the director, and they've all been out in L.A. like doing the rounds. So that, I think, is the most fascinating to me that I'll be keeping an eye on mm. because I think that could pop up in some places people were not ready for it to pop up in. I I've, I called it weeks ago. It's been in my he, director. I, I really think it's getting a director nom. Nomination? Yep. Interesting. I, I think it's. I think it's going to sneak in that fifth. That fifth nomination. But I am going to let you talk about your boy. Yeah. Um. So this is such a weird one because again, the way that the Globes like split up. Yeah. Actor votes. Like he was to me. He wasn't really going up against anyone in his category. It was the other acting category. Like if he would have been stuck in the other group. That would have been a bit more interesting. Like, mm. it, you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah, no, because people I, I, were really excited for him and people were really excited for Colin and they were both in separate categories. Yeah. And so like that doesn't really. And they were never giving the award to Brendan after. Oh, uh, yeah. No. After everything. The Globes, especially. That's what it's like after the history there, like the Globes were never giving it to him. So it doesn't really tell us anything. Mm. But I was really excited to see Austin Butler get the win. Um you could tell it was a big moment for him and for Baz. Um, and I don't know. It was just really nice to see him get an acknowledgement for it because I think, again, it's the only award ceremony that he's not directly competing with the other two. Mm. So, like, at the very least, he gets to have that moment if he doesn't get the SAG or if he doesn't get the Academy Award. Like, that was cool to see. It really sucks now looking back on it because – it's the last night that he was able to spend with Lisa Marie before she died, yeah. which is horrific. Like, mm. that was the last public appearance of Lisa Marie Presley. And uh, it's hor- like it's really, it's tough to look back. Because I went back and watched, like, the last interview they did on the carpet together. Mm. And you could tell she is just so out of it. Mm. Like, she's having a rough one. Um, so that, 
that was that's something that's like I don't know that's just like really stuck with me because you know he shouts him out in his in his like acceptance speech and you can tell that it's like the big like moment for their family and stuff um but I thought he gave a good speech Uh, I thought Colin gave a good speech as well so I'm fascinated like this award show, and again, I know we say you can't really read too much into it, but I think the audience reaction was pretty equal in terms mm. of how excited people were for him and for Colin. So that doesn't really tell me too much. Yeah, I think act- actor is, to me, down to a two-horse race between them two, um, yeah. with Brendan, the dark horse, looking in. Everyone um, keeps saying he's been the favorite the whole time, and I, I don't I, really know where that's coming from. No, um, I think... We will get. I, I I think if the whale gets a best picture nomination, that will be an indicator of oh, okay, more people like this movie than we thought, mm. and that could be the the start of something. But I still don't think it is going to get a nomination. I think the backlash is hitting this movie, and it is starting to hit it bad. Um, but that's just me personally. Um, let's. Oh, and then director's the only other lock. I'm actually. I was. I was saying Locke, but I'm now starting to come off that. I think there is a chance that Daniels could steal this award, mm-hmm. um, but I am going to walk that one back. We'll get to my uh, big hot Oscar take later, but let's just move on to the SAGs because they were the first. They were the first one to drop. What did you guys think of the SAG nominations? Pretty solid. Um- I don't think that there was anything that was missing, really. Um, Adam Sandler for Hustle was <laughs> interesting. I was mm. surprised that he got in over Paul Meskel because Paul Meskel, as we said, has been like a critic's darling. Um, and I think the SAGs are like close enough to critic circles that he would get in, mm. but apparently not. Um, the performance by a cast in the motion picture is all pretty standard. They're all like big ensemble casts. So I get that. And um, the female actress one is interesting. I didn't ex- expect, like obviously Viola Davis and Anna de Armas were like on the cusp of the Oscar race mm. and they still are, I guess. But I didn't expect their performances to get as much love as they're getting. Michelle Williams not being an actress, I think is mm, interesting. Yeah, actually. Um my the the two big shocks for me coming this one is where this Eddie Redmayne hmm. um, supporting actor thing is coming from. I saw it like I I heard the talk about it, but yeah, yeah, no, not, I, yeah, it's not, yeah. <laughs> um, my big shock and the thing the first real ding in my armor that's made me a little bit worried about my big best picture pick was. Top Gun missing completely here. Mm-hmm. That's my first little concern because it means to me, okay, the, the concern I have is actor is the largest branch and them not putting it in here is a little concerning for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam Sandler over Tom Cruise is the, is that's the one that I'm a little concerned about. I get it, but I will raise you the year that they nominated Emily Blunt. 
And nah. then she completely missed out on the Academy Award yeah. nomination. She, was, she won one yeah, of them. Yeah, she as well. won the SAG yeah. and then didn't get an Academy Award nomination at all. She won. Was that Quiet Place or. Uh, she won for either Quiet Place or Mary I'm Poppins? I'm pretty sure it was Mary Poppins. Yeah. I'm almost 100% sure that it was. But I remember she won and then she didn't even get a get, nomination yeah. at the Oscars. Because she got both nominations that year. No, yeah. that that is fair. That's all um, I'm going to say about that. Yeah. I'm not expecting Adam Sandler to get an Academy Award nomination. That's all I'm no, saying. No, I, I definitely, no. I, I, I don't disagree. I, it's just more of an indicator. It, it's an interesting indicator of, you know, where they think. But at the same time, it might. But but at the same time, they gave the outstanding performance by a cast to Babylon. Yeah. And not a single, like, none, of the, none of the single acting performances got love anywhere else. Yeah. Like, it's just a really interesting year. It is. Um, I the everything everywhere all at once love in every category except uh, except lead actor because there isn't a lead actor in that movie is really interesting. Like they, you know, it got five nominations essentially, which is the most uh, well, the most a film can really get um, outside of a stunt stunt as well. But that's. Uh, that's a big deal, a really big deal. That everything, everywhere, is coming in, very, like, and it's it's sticking around. It's, it's really sticking. The fact around. that it came out so long ago and it's stuck around is well, insane. It'd be the earliest Best Picture winner, yeah, since Gladiator. Gladiator was May, February. Uh, Sons of the Lambs holds the record. I'm pretty sure for February because that was a February film and then it won it, mm. but. Um, yeah, uh, Gladiator was the last one. That was May. I don't know if there's a one before that, but yeah. yeah. Um, the big one, okay, and then, so yeah, so that's SAGs. The other one that came out is is the uh, DGA, the Directors Guild. This is my big making me feel a bit better after the SAGs. Uh, Joseph Kowinski getting it for Top Gun is massive and a big, big, Big tick in my uh, my direction. It, it swing. You were like, oh, on the one hand, the the SAGs kind of snubbed it. Yeah. On the other hand, the Directors Guild are in on it. Yeah, and so I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't either. To I, be that, that's the one that has shocked me. Because look, I'm not saying he's going to get an Oscar nomination because the DGA and the and Oscars never line up. There's always there's always one or two that are missing. I do not think this will be the 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 Oscar five. I think he's the one that's missing from it. Um, but it's an indicator of where the DGA are at and where, like, hey, where are the directors' guilds thinking? They really loved Top Gun, um, but obviously they also really loved Fablemans and Banshees and everything everywhere. Like, it, it's an it, it's putting for me that Top Gun is. In that it is something five. that people are still talking about. Yeah. It's not like it's just completely out of the conversation. Like clearly, the directors guild has love for it. Yeah, I I do think you know just because it missed out at I am a bit surprised that it missed out on the ensemble at the SAGs. Like mm. I'm a, I'm a little surprised by that, but I don't think that's a complete death to it by mm. any means. Um, I do think you know this. People like to talk about if you're not getting any like acting noms, your movie's kind of dead going into the Academy Awards. But I don't really think that's the case, um, especially for a movie like this, mm. where it's the the cast is important for sure, but 
it's more the thing that makes this movie is the editing and the directing mm. and the visual effect. Like it's very much a visual, mm-hmm. um, you know, auditory sensory kind of movie. Like the performances are important, mm. but it's going to be those things. Yeah. yeah. That, well, yeah, especially when like my argument for why I think it's going to win is the, is backing up for a film like Lord of the Rings is that it's the, it's them going here is the acknowledgement of what this did for cinema this year. That being said, everything everywhere I think is the other side yeah, of that. No, same no, no. Point. I, I don't disagree. I'm just saying I think everything everywhere comes at it from the typical kind of where mm. you have the acting performances that are kind of the launching pad. Whereas for Top Gun, I think it's more, you know, the director's guild is going to look at it and go, damn, like the way that movie was was put together. And, the mm. you know, the editing branch is going to be like, wow, that's so effective. Like what an effective way to tell mm. a story. You know, it's more going to be those kind of things that I think people t- like talk about yeah. um, in terms of that. Is there what? Obviously, it's five males or six males um, because we've got the Daniels. The Daniels, but are more uh, than one like person. that's uh, that was a big talking point when, when you've got films like After Sun, women, uh, the Woman King, women, women talking. talking she, she said, said yeah. like these big, high-profile women-directed films, and none of them have come through. Like that's it's hard because like they, it's not like there's a movie here that shouldn't have gotten nominated. Yeah. Right. It's just like a pity that they're all men yeah. directing these movies. Yeah. Like, but, and, and that that is one thing, though. Like, usually I would roll my eyes and be like, ugh, that's disgusting. But I look at this list and I don't know who I would be like, well, they don't deserve to be exactly, there. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Like, I, <laughs> I just, and I don't, you know, we still haven't seen Women Talking because Australia is... 10 years behind the f- fucking world still. Yeah. Um, so I can't speak for women talking, but she said, I th- thought was a fine. Mm. You know, I didn't think the directing was anything to, to you know. write home about. Yeah. I haven't seen after sun, but I've heard magnificent things about mm. it. Yeah. Um, and I haven't seen the woman King, but I feel like people are pretty split on how they feel about it. Like people either really love it or it's just not yeah. for them, but either way, like regardless of that, you know, I don't think that the Fablemans, Banshees, Everything Everywhere, Top Gun, or Tar, I don't think you can look at any of those and go, well, directing's not a strong point. Mm. Like, there's not a single one of those where I look at and go, like, yeah. you, you know what I mean? Like, no, I, yeah. This, the next guild is where I will criticize them because they had 10 spots and that's the producers. The PGA, yeah. P- PGA. All, all 10 of these films are male-directed films. That I would that is where you go. You know what? Yeah, ten slots and none of them being. Yeah, no, I, I don't. Uh, that one I will criticize you on, that, especially that's... when you've got Black Panther, Gla- uh, Glass Onion. I'll allow, mm. but Black Panther, the whale, the whale. The whale. Yeah, like I don't know. Like yeah, it's yeah. But it, but there's stuff in here where and and where you could look you, where it's like okay, something like women talking, something like. The Woman King, like, yeah. uh, could like absolutely, yeah, could absolutely be in here for that. For sure, I, I just, for sure. yeah, I, I do think, I do think it's a little interesting that Avatar, Black Panther, Glass Onion, um, and Top Gun all made it in here mm. because those very much feel like four films that should all be fighting for one spot. 
Yeah, if that makes sense. Generally, like, like in a typical in a typical yeah. year, they're the typical movie where you go those four. I can see them getting getting nominated, but they're all going to fight for one spot. Yeah. I do get though, like it is the PGAs, and the yeah. PGAs is basically like it's the outstanding producer. Yeah, these like Avatar, Black Panther, Glass Onion, Top Gun, they are movies that you got to like give it up to the producers for making yeah. them so successful. And I guess like what the PGAs do is nominate those successful movies but then it's also like then why is the whale there <laughs> that's the whale's the thing that is surprises me i can for kind of forgive black panther because it's the big mcu movie it's and like what the producers had to go through to make that movie given Specific- everything yeah, that went around that yeah. that's yeah exactly i can i can forgive that same with elvis same with avatar same with fablemans everything everywhere like there's a lot in here where it's like yeah i understand that whale i don't get Mm-hmm. That's the one that I'm a little like, there's this. Uh, and I even think, you know, and not to, you know, because I love the film, but I can even see like there being an argument, an argument for Tar not necessarily making yeah. the cut. A PGA. For yeah. a PGA. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think the whale and Tar specifically are probably the outliers yeah. here in terms of that, like mm. in terms of what the other films are achieving from a producer standpoint. But yeah. I don't know. Um, PGA, this is my biggest indicator because one, PGA uses the same metric that the Oscars do. It's the only Guild award that does that uses the same voting system. Mm-hmm. And it's the one that I think Top Gun's going to take. If, like it'll win the PGA. I think it's going to win the PGA because, again, it's that producer thing. Yeah. It's between this and everything everywhere. I think yeah. they're the two. I, like, I. I really personally think Fablemans is third right now in the Oscar race. I think it is between everything, everywhere, and Top Gun. I know, every, I know, I am the nutcase that thinks that, mm-hmm. but <laughs> I really do think it's between those two. And I think it's because they are the two films that are the two sides of the same coin of the film of twenty twenty two. Yeah. If of you've got the big giant blockbuster that quote unquote saved cinemas. And then you've got the big the the big indie darling that also that became a massive box office success as an indie darling, and I think those two films are the sides of the same coin. They are the films that both that best represent twenty twenty two as a film, and that's why I think those are your two front runners right now. Maybe I'm just being very romantic about the idea of the of best picture actually representing twenty twenty two as a as a film. That's I've actually. Was gonna say, I'm very curious that you think that this year they are taking into account. Like, we've got to make the winner the movie that represented 2022 because they've never done that before, and I know they're trying oh, to get back to that. I would argue they've never not done. No, sorry, sorry not yeah. ever done it before. As in, like in recent years, like they wanted to do that last year. They fucking got give it gave it to Coda. I yeah, like, but I think <laughs> I think Coda was one that very much benefited from the preferential system. Yeah, and probably. I think, and whereas in I think... But it wasn't er- the movie of 2021 no, at that's all. Fair. But I think also, I think Parasite definitely was. Yes, that is I the think, only one I can think of in recent pa- memory. I think Parasite was. I, I I'll give, Yeah, I'll give you Get Out probably w- w- was the movie of 2017, mm-hmm. I, I would say. Um, and then, trying, yeah... So that's why I'm like, I know they're trying to get back to like, if we, I, yeah. we if we give it to everything everywhere, Top Gun, there's going to be a lot of people happy about it. Mm. But I do also have 
I'm very much a pessimist when it comes to the Academy and think they will just give it to our Fablemans. I, mm, this is probably going to get me canceled, but whatever. <laughs> Here we go. Um, I think Everything Everywhere is third. Okay. Behind Top Gun and the Fablemans. Because right. I think as much as we all want to be optimistic, the Academy is still very old and mm-hmm. very white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those are the people that do not understand everything everywhere all at once. That those I- are the people that watch those movie and go, why are there dildos in this movie? Like, you know, those yeah. are the people that watch it and go, they don't get it. Yeah. Like, and I'm afraid that those people, like you're saying, two movies of the same, different sides of the same coin are going to go, Top Gun or mm. Fablemans mm-hmm. by preference, yeah, yes. like preferential. by preferential, yeah. yes, yeah. I think the younger crowd and the more diverse side of the Academy will be completely behind everything everywhere. Mm. But I think, as we've seen, there's still a portion of the Academy that votes for Green Book. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I that's where I'm a bit worried and think everything everywhere in terms of the best picture race, not everything else, yeah, but best picture race could be in that. Th- third slot that's fair instead of being first yeah because i could yeah i don't know because i could see a lot of that that generation having having everything everywhere sixth seventh yeah that's what, but that's like what and I mean. having you know say fableman's one top gun two or banshee's two top gun three or something like that and i think that that's going to have an impact no i i can i can definitely like, i'd see like that. to be optimistic and be like <laughs> the old whiteies at the uh yeah at the academy awards aren't gonna ruin this for us but you know mm. we still got green books so. yeah I, I i completely agree with you like i have like if everything everywhere wins i'm probably gonna like scream and run do laps around my house <laughs> like it's like i have optimism but i'm also in the back of my head i'm like it's not gonna happen mm. so when it if it does yeah or when it does i'm gonna manifest <laughs> <laughs> um i'm just gonna be like crazy going crazy because i actually deep down didn't think it would yeah so. no and i get that and like this is going to very much be kind of like a parasite 1917 for me when I was really rooting for 1917 because that was my favorite movie of, of of the year. Very rarely does my favorite movie actually go up for Best Picture, so I was like, mm. I was really like hoping that 1917 could win. But then when Parasite did, I'm like, Parasite absolutely deserved it. Yeah. It was the movie of 2019. I was so happy that it won, even though I'm not the biggest Parasite fan. Like, mm. I I really like Parasite. I think it's a very well made, very enjoyable movie, but it wasn't my favorite movie of the year. Um. It's kind of how I'm going to feel about everything everywhere winning. It's like that movie absolutely deserves to win Best Picture. It is definitely one of the pitches of 2022 and I and absolutely represents this year for majority of people. Not me personally, but for majority of people, absolutely. But I'm rooting for Top Gun because I just I, I think Top Gun is also- because you called it in like June and you just really well, want to be- I told you! <laughs> I said it! <laughs> I actually rewatched everything everywhere for the first time this last week because I, I to wanted to revisit it. Um, just because, you know, we saw it in a theater way late and yeah. I just didn't know, like, I appreciated it, but I didn't know how I felt about it, like, r- realistically. Yeah. Um, and I do think the more I've sat with it and then getting to rewatch it, I, I still really appreciate it and, like, emotionally it hits me more. But again, like... If I'm going to sit there and pick the movie for me that represents 2022, it's Top Gun. Yeah. But I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, 
God, I can't believe the Academy would give Best Picture to Everything Everywhere when it had two of the, sorry, three of the best acting performances of the year and yeah. possibly ever. Like, yeah. oh, God, how dare it? Like, yeah. You know, and they had a team of nine people who learned how to make VFX from scratch. And they had, like, I'm not going to sit there and be like, how dare they? Mm. Yeah. It, it is fully deserving of it, mm. for sure. But I agree with you because I was the same. When Parasite won, I was like, that's not my movie of the year. But it's a, the movie of the year, mm. like for sure. So I would be ecstatic to see it win Best Picture. I just personally think we're probably going to see Spielberg up there or possibly Kaczynski and Jerry Bruckheimer. <laughs> like, like I don't, I don't, I just don't know if I see the Daniels up there with a Best Picture yeah. thing, but I would love to be, I would love to have this be a parasite year and be completely blown away and proven wrong. Mm. I just don't know if that's going to happen. So, okay, let's let's talk about where are we with Best Picture? Like, what are where are your like rough nominations sitting currently? <laughs> At the moment, I have everything everywhere. First, I think I'm doing my manifestation method. Yep. method. Um, and then Fablemans, and then Banshees, and then Top Gun. Okay, and then the rest are kind of interchangeable. Yeah. And the top four are interchangeable for me, actually. Um, I will change them, like, basically daily. But, yeah, I don't know. I currently still have Glass Onion sneaking in. I do, too. I yeah. do not. Um, so, yeah, I've got the, the one that I think is on the outcast outside of Glass Onion is Babylon. I, but mm. I cannot believe how much Babylon has dropped. I'm mm. shocked by that. Uh, and same with Women Talking. Um, I do think Women Talking will get nominated because I do think the Academy will, do not want ten male do- male films. Nope. They just they will not have they they just. Do oh, not oh I don't that. have that kind of faith. Wait till you hear my list. <laughs> um, that but that being said, I I've got so yeah I've got three sequels in Top Gun, Avatar, and Glass Onion. I, yeah. think, I think they're the ones I've got Elvis, I've got Tar, Everything Everywhere, Banshees, Fablemans, and then Women Talking, Babylon, and Glass Onion. Mine is a bit of a mess. So I have Fablemans, Top Gun, Everything Everywhere, Banshees, Tar, Elvis, Avatar, Glass Onion, All Quiet, RRR. Wow. I, I, All Quiet's the one I want to put in. That's I'm, my 10th spot. Yeah. I think- the trend of at least one foreign film. Yeah, I'm. I've got. I've got the foreign film in director. That's where I, I. I've got RRR for director because, again, the trend. They also nominate a director lately who hasn't gotten a picture, which is always weird when you've got yeah. ten spots, but whatever. Um. So I, that's where I've put in. I just. I cannot see Cameron getting a director at this point. I, I don't either. I, but I just. I can't see it. I think Sarah Polly has fallen off a cliff. Yeah, I do too. Sadly, I think we are going to get five males or I, six. I do too. Yeah. Um, I I've got RRR, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's all quiet. That's fair. In director, like I, I, but I am very firm that it is going to be a foreign film at this point. I just don't know which one. I am starting to not think that Todd Field's going to get in, or if, really? if, he, if he does, I think he's going to sneak in. Very, at like I think he's definitely just going to sneak in, but I don't. I, Todd Field's the one that I've got on the cusp, where because I'm guaranteeing that a 
foreign films getting going in. I just don't know which foreign film. If it could be both of them, I've got all quiet. Yeah, going in, but we'll see. Um, for okay, so where are we? All right, so where are we on actress? Um, are we all in agreement that Michelle Yeoh is the favorite? Yeah, at the moment, yeah. yeah. I I really do think it was kind of a toss up, but I really think as much as the Golden Globes, quote unquote, don't matter, I think that speech. Yo. mattered mm-hmm. a yeah, lot. Yeah, I do too. I think that speech is just, I think realistically we could be looking back and saying that was the speech that won her an Oscar. And I, yeah. So I've got, I've got, and I think also it would be, and, and it, I don't want this to come across as like a negative. I think it is very well-deserved. Absolutely oh, yeah. well-deserved. And I think also it's one of those, it's going to be a, and not to the same extent because I think what Kate does in Tar is a lot. I hate using this word better, but than what he does in Green Book. But I think it is going to be a Mahershala Ali and Richard E. Grant moment of this is Michelle Yeoh's one chance. Mm. I really think this is yeah. her chance. Whereas in Kate, she's going to have another chance after this. She's already won it twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like. You know, I I think that could I, – I hope that that becomes a, a factor. Yeah. I, I think that that should be a factor because I still think Richard E. Grant deserved it for – I do too. Um, can you ever I'll forgive me? I'll never get over that. I think that was his one moment and Ali had already, has, had already won it two years in previously. And I, I think that sh- does become a thing. Um, I still think Michelle Williams is an, is an actress. I, and then um, – uh, Daniel Delwala and Viola Davis, I think you're in there. Ana de Armas maybe, but I I've got I, her in my fifth spot. Yeah, after the Globes and like Sags and stuff. Yeah, so. I could say I do think Margot's fallen off. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do too. I don't think she's getting in. Yeah, I I really I think there is a serious chance Babylon ends Just up completely misses like technicals, because, but that's, that's it. it. Yeah, I really think there is a chance that this is going to be first man all over again. And he just compl- and it just completely misses. Um, actor who, who is Austin Seal your favorite? At the moment, yeah. Um, but I, again, it's like I think it's such a two horse race, and I think it's such a toss up mm. at the moment. Like without the SAGs, without the BAFTAs, without having anything other than the Golden Globes, it's really tough to tell yeah. where it's actually at. Um, but I do, I I don't know. And maybe it's just because we're not like inside that Academy circle and we're not in LA, but I just don't think the Brendan Fraser thing is, I just don't see it happening. Could, yeah. but yeah, that's. Value. Yeah, I've got Colin number one. Yeah. Uh, then Austin Butler. So yeah, basically two horse race, and then Brendan, Bill, and Paul is my fifth spot. Which the fifth spot in basically all these categories keeps changing. Yeah, uh, I think yeah, most of these categories there's four spots, and then the fifth one's the pick someone. Mm. Um, I've got Tom because I have a feeling Paul's going to get the independent. He's going to get all the critics stuff. Paul is my my optimist, and that's fair. no, and that's fair. I I think the the. The thing that I'm curious by Tom is the Scientology side of it. Mm. How it does that become a factor in the Actors Guild? Mm. So I'm that in the Actors branch. That is the 
that's what I'm curious about. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But but I also think everyone, most people in Hollywood love Tom Cruise. It, it seems that way because I was actually watching, um, I would recommend anyone check this out, but they did a producer's roundtable um, with the Hollywood Reporter, like how they mm-hmm. always do their roundtables. They did a producer's one. And, um, you know, obviously Jerry has great things to say about Tom, but Iola seems to have liked working with Tom a lot. And all the other producers at the table were kind of just like, he's the man. Like, you know, he, he's what, despite what they may or may not think of him personally, like Mm. it's clear that the actor side of him, like the industry side of him and what he does is something that people just have respect for. Yeah. So in that Note, I wouldn't be particularly... And that's why I think the joke at the Golden Globes kind of went down like a lead balloon. Like, it was so split on how people mm. felt about the Tom Cruise joke. And I think that's why. Yeah. Um, I think there's such a divide of, like... And this is a way too much of a complicated conversation to actually have on this podcast, but I feel like it should at least be brought up, which is... People, you know, you have to decide if you're going to separate the art from the artist. You're going to have you have to decide if, you know, what Tom Cruise does for the industry. You know, we just talked about basically how Top Gun Maverick saved movie theaters after the pandemic, how it was, how he knew that he had to hold on to that movie and not release it until theaters were able to show it again. You know, we know that he's the reason the entire movie was greenlit because it took one phone call from him and the studio was like, great, we're finally going to get to make the sequel we wanted to make. Everyone that works with him talks about how he's the first one on set and the last one to leave. And we've seen all of the behind the scenes stuff of all the training he does to get the stunts right in Mission Impossible, like the hours and days and months. And like, it's that thing that I think people in the industry just have a respect for because realistically no one is doing the things that he is specifically doing. Mm. Like, and I don't know if anyone else will at least for quite a while. I don't know if we're going to see that again. Um, So I think it's such a fascinating conversation to have because as people who are on the outside of it, 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 it can be hard to tell, but from the interviews I've seen, like, and the way that, people who've worked with him talk about him. I feel like he could, like there's a real possibility he could take that last spot. Mm. Don't know if it's going to happen. I have him in there for now, just because that fifth spot, I feel like at any point it's the thing, right? Where there's always one acting category every year where you look at it and go there, that fifth spot. Yeah. I would not bet any actual money on it because it could be anyone, anything like, yeah. I mean, and this, in this year, it's basically every category. And this year, yeah, yeah, it is. Usually it's that one acting category where mm. you're like, don't know, man, where, yeah. where you have, you know, your random mm. trying to think of a good example in the past. I think Defoe for um, Eternity's Pro- Gate. Eternity's Gate. Yeah, that, was, where, that where, was odd. But that, yeah. but that's what it, like it's. Lakeith, Lakeith two years ago yeah, was yeah. the big one of like, where'd that come from? But that's, that's yeah. what it feels like here where I'm like, I'm yeah. going to say it's going to be Tom, but honestly, Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. Um, all right, let's move on to supporting actress and we'll do actor and move on to the movies. <laughs> um, all right, supporting actress. I know this is wrong, but I've got Jamie Lee Curtis as the front runner right now. I would like to think so. <laughs> um, and then I've got uh, Carrie Condon, 
uh, Stephanie Sue, um, Angela Bassett, and I've got Dolly as well. Yeah, um, I've got Carrie as the favorite right now, mm. um, which could definitely change. But that's I have Carrie, and then I have Stephanie, and then Jamie, um, and then Angela, and then I have Dolly as well. But again, I'm not super confident about that last spot. Um, I just... Hong Chow, I just feel like the whale is massively going to miss out. Mm. Uh, at least when it comes to the main, the- like it'll be Brendan and then maybe a couple of other things. So I don't feel like Hong Chow is going to take that spot. And I'm just not convinced that Jesse Buckley is taking it with the way that no one has said anything about women talking. Mm. Like, especially in the acting categories, like it's just radio silence. So yeah. I don't think Jesse Buckley is getting a nomination. Um, and so I think that final spot is going to go to Dolly, hopefully. Um, part part of me for a while was hoping it would go to Janelle Monet, but because the SAGs didn't really like, push it, push it yeah. I don't know about it. Um, but yeah, like it, it, that last spot could kind of be anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have, um, I have Carrie as number one. Um, but honestly, this is a really difficult category this it year. Is. Mm-hmm. I honestly have no clue. Like, I have Carrie there because I really loved her performance, but no idea if she's actually on the odds to win or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, Jamie, Angela, Dolly, and Stephanie, um, which I'd be happy with all of them being nominated, to be honest. Um, yeah. It's actually crazy to think that there is actually a chance, a genuine chance that – three categories could have all first time nominees mm-hmm. this year. Yeah. Like and like and the and Tom could be the one that messes it up. Yeah. Like cuz I, you know, cuz act um actress I I like actress basically no matter what is going to have all first time nominees except if Jesse gets in. Jesse's the one that could mess it up. And Claire and Claire Foy. Mm-hmm. They're the two that could possibly actually wait Claire I don't think Claire Foy actually did get nominated for in the end, I think she was the front runner for first man, and then just fell off a cliff. I couldn't tell you honestly; yeah. I don't remember. Um, but I, yeah, it's. I'm I'm so excited for these nominations to come out, just so that I can start to wrap my head around some of this stuff. Because yeah. there are so many like fourth and fifth spots in places where I'm mm. just like, "What the hell is going to happen here? Like, where are the voters' heads at? Like, yeah. where are they actually at?" Well, it's going to tell us a lot about where their head is at, and what type of like how did they actually feel about a lot of these movies yeah so it's it's gonna be real interesting uh let's uh let's move to the everyone else is happy to be nominated yeah. category <laughs> this is the category <laughs> where it's just like it's just nice to be nominated yeah. uh so supporting i've got uh key paul barry brendan and i've got judd hush okay. as my I've, as my last one i've got all the same except my fifth spot is eddie redmayne mine is ben Wishaw. I had I I just have taken it I've taken Ben off because again mm. the optics yeah women talking and no one gets nominated except, except the ben. male so, that would be very <laughs> on brand sure be very on brand for them um I'm not actually confident in my last spot what this is this is probably the least confident yeah. I am about a fifth spot selection um the only reason I put Eddie there is because of the sags yeah um but honestly I. Yeah, I don't know, man. This one this one could be anyone and mm. I'd be like, yeah, all right. <laughs> I the one I can't I just can't put Brad in yet. 
I can't either. I just can't. Not only because the movie's just not getting anything, but also just everything going on with him at the moment. I don't know. That That's another thing that um, was, like, fascinating in the worst way, watching the Globes. Like, he was front and center yeah, at and the front table. Like, people kept shouting him out in their acceptance speeches. And it was just kind of like, no Hollywood's one such a bubble, apparently, yeah, because yeah. no one cares about the fact that Everyone else seems concerned that there are genuine abuse like, allegations yeah, yeah. out there. It are was genuine. The vibe was incredible. real weird with yeah. that. Um, but yeah, I with no confidence whatsoever have Eddie in that final spot. Yeah. Um, my it's actually funny because like yeah, I've got I've got obviously Key as my winner, who's who's the only person being nominated from that film in this category, and then I've got two from two separate films. Banshees and Fablemans. But I don't think either of them win. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay, what's your big takeaway? So, so going forward, what's your big takeaway coming, like your big, big, bold prediction for the Oscars nominations oh, or like even the wins or anything? Like what's your big, bold prediction? Uh, Sorry, question without notice. I probably yeah, should have actually like, f- warned you guys. Uh, <laughs> I think you're only asking that because you have one that you really want to share. Yeah. So okay, you, you go first. Okay. My big one is I think Banshees gets eight or nine nominations and doesn't win a single Oscar. That is very bold. That is a hot, steaming take. Yep. I think it's three categories that it's leading is supporting, screenplay, and actor. And I think it loses all three of them. Hmm. Okay. Um, I really hope you're wrong because you're so confident in it. I know. Because, like, okay, because. I, I okay. need you to get proven wrong. <laughs> okay, because original, uh, original screenplay, I think, is going to go to everything everywhere. I think yeah. that comes in and steals original screenplay. Which So, in that regard, you don't think. It, like. Because screenplay and picture kind of, you know. So, if you're saying screenplay wins. Uh, everything everywhere wins screenplay. Mm. Does that mean. Jokes if Kaczynski is winning director. <laughs> no, no, because I think Spielberg's By winning. The logic. So you think Fablemans will win director and then best picture? No, I think every, I think either Top Gun or Everything Everywhere wins. I think Top Gun honestly. So, but could, I'm saying if you. No, I know. By the logic, if yeah. Everything Everywhere is winning screenplay, then Everything Everywhere is winning picture. No, because screenplay doesn't always win picture. Guys, I was told there'd be no math involved here. <laughs> um, it doesn't always win picture. I I think edit I think Top Gun wins um best I think Top Gun wins best picture only winning editing editing and sound and the two sound awards. The one in the last six so years, so one sound. It's either been you have to either win director or screenplay in the last six years at least. Mm. It could be just like an outlier, but I yeah I think it's going to be an outlier. I think yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't really have a hot take. I don't think like i i yeah i don't know um i mean i don't know if this is like i don't know if i'm serious about this but like my directing nominations are spielberg the daniels mcdonough edward berger for all quiet and then kaczynski okay like but there's no method to my madness there. Like, there's no... like Again, a lot of these fifth spots for me this year are just, like, I don't know what's going to happen. And, like, it... Yeah, I get... Okay, I guess for me... I don't... I don't know. I don't know how much of a, like, hot take this actually is, but I think it's entirely possible that the only award 
that Babylon walks away with at the end of the night is um, original score. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Like, no, that's fair because Horowitz just doesn't miss, um, except for apparently his best score, his best score, which just got ignored by everybody, but it's fine. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really have, like, I think my hot take was that everything everywhere all at once is probably third. Okay. Which I talked yeah. about earlier. Yeah. Like, I think that's my hot take is the Academy is not quite as diverse yet as we think would like to think um, mm. on our most optimistic days. And I think with the way that preferential voting and all that works, I think it ends up third mm. in the overall best picture race. That's my take. You're welcome. I do just want to say if Top Gun wins visual effects, which it's not, but if it does, it's winning best picture, and I'm and I'm <laughs> you, the the net, the two hours up between it winning visual effects and it winning best picture, I'm going to be unbearable. I'm just warning you all now. <laughs> Good to know. Okay, you play. I, I love I love just how like doubling you're just doubling and tripling down oh, on I all this on a recorded podcast. Oh, I so I just hope you're ready. <laughs> I'm for. I'm so ready for when everything everywhere wins and I can, and then on the and then the Tuesday after I just come out and be like see I told you all guys everything everywhere was gonna win like I told oh, you <laughs> <You're so laughs> all right uh I think we should probably move uh regrettably start moving on to these two movies um yeah probably we should actually start talking because we're over an hour in so we should start talking about these this movies. is basically the Oscars podcast and, and I guess two Megan movies that came out this fortune. week. <laughs> All right, guys. So, a robotics engineer at a toy company builds a lifelike doll that begins to take on a life of its own. This is Megan. It's honestly like she's part of the family now. They could be building emotional connections that are too hard to untangle. She's the happiest she's been since her parents died. Eat the toppings, Katie. Research shows if you force a child to eat vegetables, they'll be less likely to choose those foods as adults. Is that so? Yes. Experts say... Megan, turn off. I thought we were having a conversation. So, what did we think of Megan? Taylor? Um, so, I'm really glad that it's seemingly 99% of the population that has seen this movie had a great time. <laughs> I sadly fall into the 1% that just didn't get it. Um, the first like hour of the movie is so slow and it just... Feels, I timed it at work. It's an hour. It feels like nothing happens for that first hour, mm-hmm. which here's my problem with it. Feels like it's trying to set itself up as this like heartfelt like family drama about this kid who's lost her parents, and it tries to get you emotionally invested in that kind of story, but n- doesn't commit to it fully because then it tries to flip the switch and be this like slasher horror kind of movie almost but then it doesn't fully commit to that either and then when you get your big kind of climactic ending it just kind of falls flat like it just doesn't really deliver for me um it feels like there's just this kind of underwhelming final confrontation and then it just kind of is over 
I don't know. I was hoping, you know, based on how viral it was kind of going and the way people were reacting to it, I was hoping that it was just kind of full throttle, fully committed to being this campy, like crazy um, horror film. And it just doesn't end up being that. Mm -hmm. I think it's very tonally confused (laughs) of what it's trying to, to do. And so I just ended up being bored and then ended up being underwhelmed. Um, And the needle drops were a choice. (laughs) I don't know. I thought it was fine, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I I hated this (laughs) so much. Although I watched it one star moving on. Went to a concert last night and I saw Brisbane Brisbane Icons Cub Sport caught up with them. And the first thing, once they realized who I was, the first thing they asked me was, have you seen Megan? (laughs) And I said, oh, yeah, I hated it. And they loved it. So I now love it uh, because they do. Um, But deep down, I hate this movie. And 100% what Taylor said, it's like it's a horror comedy apparently. But I think the trailer kind of gave away that it was more horror than comedy and it was – I guess, leaning more into comedy, but then also like at the start, it's 100% not either of those things. Um, There's a few like the sharp sound that's meant to be a jump scare, but it's just someone walking around the corner, but like that's not horror. And yeah, like it gets to the comedy and like the kind of tongue in cheek shit, like 60 minutes in, but that even then it's just still not funny. Mm. And it's still not scary. And if I was laughing, it was just at how appalling it was. Mm. So I just don't understand what people see in it, really. Mm. Like, I wish I could say, you know what? I see that it could be funny, but it's not for me. Yeah. But no. <laughs> no, I, this, my review literally was just the epitome of fine. Like, and even then, it's not. Like, it's dull, it's mm-hmm. boring. Like it, it was, it was just. I was bored for the majority of it, and it was very slow. Yeah, like very slow. And um, for a movie that's under two hours, for a, like, for a ninety minute movie, like I, or sorry, a hundred minute movie. Yeah, and it's like, how does this feel like it's three hours? Yeah. And like I, this it's filled with cliches. Like every every cliche. Under the sun. Which is fine if you do it right. Exactly. No, like, and that, like, yeah. Like I said with Scream, it's yeah. like that does all the tropes, but it does it right and it does it yeah. with some nuance, but this is just like no, this is, throwing it on a garbage fire. Yeah. And um, the kid's terrible. Like the little girl is really bad in this. Like yeah. I just. I, I think you specifically I just, have that problem. Yeah, yes, I thought I, she was fine. I didn't think she was very good at all. I think she brought what she needed to. Yeah. And maybe I have bias because her and Haunting of Hill House is like, I love uh, her. Fair enough. <laughs> but she, I think she brought what she could to the role. Yeah. Like there was not much else that she could do. I, the thing that, and we can get more of it into spoilers, there's a R-rated version of this movie. And it's very clear and obvious that there is an R-rated version of this movie. And I think it desperately needed it. And not so much from like, oh, I wanted the R version. It's just you can very clearly tell that 
when it's meant to go manic and crazy, it doesn't go manic and crazy because it can't because it's PG-13. Yeah. And I don't understand why it's PG-13. I don't either. It's a $20 million. It's a, mm. Sorry, it's like a $4 million horror movie. Yeah. It can be. I don't understand uh, why you're trying to cater to a specific age. Even like, like, like I said on, I said on Twitter when I walked into the cinema, I like <laughs> a mom and her two kids. And when I say kids, I mean like at at the least five years old, like probably younger. <laughs> sat down with their booster seats to watch Megan, and I was like, they're gonna realize that they're in the wrong cinema soon, and it's fine. But no, they stayed the whole time, and they weren't bothered. Mm. The kids were not like, mom, I'm scared, or like, mom, I don't like this. Like, I'm bored. They were just like. Sitting there watching. Yeah. Because it's not scary. It's apparently a horror movie, but it's not because four year olds can watch it yeah. and be completely fine. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? It's, it's not scary. It's just boring. Like, yeah, I, I, I think that's just the thing for it. It's just boring. The, the whole TikTok dance that it sold itself on. You've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, no. It doesn't expand on that. No. It doesn't, that like, scene's in it. Um, I didn't think it was particularly funny. I didn't think it had anything. It doesn't, it doesn't fit into the moment that they put it in. Like, no. it feels like someone wrote it in to be a viral TikTok moment. Yeah. And that's literally why it's there. Um, I don't think it has anything it wants to try and say about AI or... And if it does, it doesn't do it particularly well. I think it has something it wants to say. I just don't think it, it actually... Know how to communicate it. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't know how to say it. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, we're going to get into spoilers because there's actually one bit in this movie that I was just like, that is so stupid and came out of nowhere. So I'm, I'm going to move to spoilers now. So this is your spoiler alert for Megan. Okay, the whole intern who was stealing documents. Yeah. Like the hell did that come from yeah and where was it supposed to I go know. <laughs> i was assuming that would have a resolution at i some was assuming like yeah. it, it gets brought up when she's like oh you're stealing documents kills <laughs> like, but there was no like reason for yeah. him to be stealing documents and there was yeah. like what where was that what was that supposed to add to the nothing story <laughs> like what yeah mm, that, that was, yeah. I, they were i yeah i don't i don't freaking know that bit, there was that bit, there was the, I, like, what's it, the, the toy company, see her, her boss. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? I don't know. I can't remember exactly the actor's name. He, I did not find, uh, I did not find his comedy funny and I didn't find him funny here at all. Um, I just, it's Ronnie, it's Ronnie someone. Ronnie Chen. Oh, you mean Ron- his actual name? Yeah. yeah. I thought you meant his name. In the oh, name. no, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Ronnie Chen. Yeah. yeah. I, I just don't find him particularly funny. And especially, actually, no, sorry, I take that back. He's funny in Crazy Rich Asians. Um, but other than that, like, I di- just, I really didn't like this movie. <laughs> it, yeah, and again, like, I don't really know what I was supposed to take away from this movie in terms of a message because clearly Allison Williams' character is like really smart when it comes to developing this kind of stuff. Like she's great with technology and she's working for this company that's supposed to be like, you know, do like coming up with new like toys and whatever. And I, like I get that angle, but when she's interacting with her coworkers and her boss and stuff, like, and her one coworker is like, 
hey, maybe this will have really bad psychological effects on your niece. Uh, yeah, your yeah. niece. On yeah. your niece because, you know, like. She's making an she's, emotional she's connection. She's making an emotional connection. You're basically turning Megan into the parent so that you don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. Which, like, that's interesting. And they kind of try to touch on it. But not in the, not from the actual AI angle. They more try and touch on it from the human angle. Mm. They more try to like touch on the her pawning off her responsibilities angle instead of like, I don't know. Like I just, there's such a disconnect between what I think they're trying to maybe achieve and what we're actually seeing on screen. And I think a lot of it has to do with that script just needed a couple more rounds of overhaul. Yeah. Like there were a lot of ideas in there that never quite connect in the right way. And there's no real cohesion. Like it just feels messy. Yeah. Like it's boring and it's messy and there's no, like by the end of the film, I don't care about Allison Williams and her niece's relationship at all. No. Like I don't, I'm sitting there going, and the whole like therapist thing was weird. I don't I don't even know how to talk about this movie. Honestly, <laughs> like I'm trying to find like a way to coherently like find an in of like what but I just I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's one that's just very It's hard to talk about because for an hour of this movie there is nothing. It's a family drama that's not interesting that's yeah. badly plotted that's yeah. badly written badly directed and then suddenly they're in a forest a kid's being a bully i'm gonna rip his ear off throw him in front of a car and then megan just starts killing people yeah and it's not scary no and it's not you know and again like once you get to the what's supposed to be the big climactic kind of moment it just has to hold itself back because mm. of its rating. Yeah. Like there's no, like I'm never sitting there like afraid of her mm. or like, and that weird like scene in, in like the living room where she, where Megan and Allison's character are like trying to pretend they're not fighting. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah. Like I said in my letterbox review, Gemma was the real villain because <laughs> And I just was looking on Letterboxd now and someone said, Megan, you did nothing wrong. And honestly, yeah, because like <laughs> I think that's what made me so mad about it because I was just like, you get this woman to make, to think she's doing something really nice for her niece and she makes this robot for her to love and be her best friend. And then y- you programmed the robot and mm. like you do have complete c- control over the robot technically like and then you're like a shocked that it's going too far kind of thing yeah and now it's going on like a killing rampage and like, i don't know it's just like she <laughs> she didn't like carefully program any of it no. like every she time something together every time something's pointed out to her about like Something she didn't yeah. code correctly. It's just so casual. It's like, oh, whatever. Yeah. It's like, but you're leaving her to care for your niece and you're just like. It's like, hey, we're going to do this massive giant ass launch of something that's not ready. That, oh, hey, I found out about two weeks ago. Like, it's okay. It's very bizarre. Yeah. Like, the, okay. So the guy who wrote this, uh, Akila Cooper, their other big claim 
So her other big claim to fame and movie is Malignant. And that, and I personally feel like a lot of people are bringing their malignant feelings over to this movie and how much they love Malignant. Well, yeah, like one of my favorite TikTokers, Joe Aragon, said mm. it's Malignant's little sister. Yeah. And I'm like, I mean, I haven't seen Malignant, but from what I've heard, I'm like, eh. I don't see that. Like, yeah. I, I just, I don't know. There's just something about this that just, it just wasn't fun. And I think that's the thing that drives me mad about bad horror movies the most is just be fun. I don't care. Like that first hour can be terribly plotted, terribly written, terribly acted. I don't care if you've got some fun kills in there Mm. and that are just gory and violent and over the top and whatever, or they're just fun because Megan's deciding I'm just a psychopath at the start of the movie. Rather than, hey, I have to sit through really bad plotting, really bad acting, really bad writing for an hour before you get into anything that's remotely fun. And then when you get into the stuff that's remotely fun, you're really holding back. And it feels like you're holding back the entire time. And I think that's just... That was my biggest problem with the film is that I can see this being, hey, we just wanted to have fun. And instead, we're holding back because... We have a rate. We have a rating. We want to get to. Yeah, and that and that sucks. It's unfortunate. Be- yeah, it just sucks because you're sitting there like, oh man, I would have really loved this, and instead, I'm just disappointed at how much it got held back. At least I think it did. Yeah. So, uh, where uh, where were we out of five? Oh God, what did I give this again? Uh, I think it was like, hold on, hold please. I'm I- at one star. You're at one. <laughs> I. Uh, I gave it a very generous two and a half. Yeah, I gave it a, I gave it a, pro, uh, I gave it a probably harsh two. Like I, I was a I, low two. Yeah, like I was probably yeah, yeah. I, I did not like this. However, it was the better of the two movies. Uh, was it? <laughs> I think it was. I don't think it was. Uh, so let's move on to our second movie of the week, Operation Fortune. Special agent Orson Fortune and his team of operatives recruit one of Hollywood's biggest (laughs) movie stars to help them on an undercover mission when the sale of a deadly new weapon technology threatens to disrupt the world order. This is Guy Ritchie's Operation Fortune. So what we got? Something rather nasty has been stolen. We have to stop that getting onto the open market. Who's the buyer? Greg Simmons. The billionaire arms dealer. Ooh, a lot of very serious faces up here, aren't there? You can't catch this fish with conventional lures. I'm sorry? The lure being? Danny Francesco. So, I... The, so, for those of you who haven't heard of this movie, this has been the very long-delayed Guy Ritchie movie that was meant to come out in, I think, January last year. And then STX went bankrupt, which is the production, the distributing company. They went bankrupt. Plus, the Ukrainian war happened. And so, because of that, they had to change some things. I'm fascinated to know what they changed because Mm. they're still the Ukrainian bad guys. (laughs) So, I'm fascinated to know what they changed. Um, So, now we're finally getting this movie a year later. And I really really did not like this at all i thought it was very badly written um i thought 
everyone was miscast. Well, not everyone. I, I thought there was a lot of people miscast. Jason Statham, to me, is incredibly miscast. Um, I didn't like Aubrey Plaza. Uh, Josh Hartnett, I thought, was fine. Same with um, Hugh Grant and um, Carrie Ells. Uh, I think they're fine. Like, they do their job. They, they work fine. I just think the type of spy story that they're telling just didn't work for me at all. It's got... There's some moments that kind of work and are a little bit funny, but I just don't think that the characters are very interesting. I didn't care about them. I thought the I didn't think the action was particularly well directed, and none of the comedy worked for me. So yeah, I, this was not a good movie. Yeah, um, I'm kind of right there with you. I thought Carrie Elwes was great, um, despite the god-awful script. Like, I think he actually put in a decent performance. Um, I didn't think Josh Hartnett was bad. Like, I thought he was decent. Um, I thought Hugh Grant was decent. I don't think his character was very well-written, but I thought he was at least having some fun. Um, But, yeah, I don't think Aubrey or Jason work in this movie at all. I don't think the cast has any chemistry together at all, whatsoever. Mm. Like... You watch scenes where dialogue is happening and you go, did these people meet five seconds ago? Did they all like sleep with each other's partners and now they don't want to talk to each other? Like it's really, it's awkward. Like Mm. I just don't feel like anyone wants to be in the room with anyone else except for maybe Carrie. Like Carrie seems like he just is fine with everyone um, and everyone else is just not. I don't, it's really weird. Um, The dialogue is horrific. Like it's, Almost sounds like AI trying to write what it thinks humans sound like when they're having conversations with each other. And I mean that in a derogatory, like it's not, it's not like a stylistic choice, like kind of like a Sorkin or like, it's, it's just bad. Mm. Like it's bad. Um, so that's not great. And, um, the pacing was so slow. It is horrifically slow. Um, I didn't particularly find any of the comedy funny. Like, none of it landed for me at all. And it felt like there were at least a couple of times where there were, like, weird pauses in the movie where it was kind of expecting you to laugh and just didn't didn't happen. Oh, that one scene where the door is, like, the garage door or something yeah. is, like, sliding mm. open really slowly and he's standing behind it and it's meant to be funny and the whole theater is just, like, Dead silent. Mm. It and was then, painful to watch. And then there's a horrible uh, imitation of his accent that just by Aubrey, oh, by yeah. her character. And it's just that whole scene is supposed to be funny. And it's just so painfully awkward. Um, this is supposed to be a fun, like, action, like, spy thriller kind of movie. It's and Guy it's, Ritchie trying to do Mission Impossible. It, it basically is, yeah. Uh, and it's just, I don't think there's a, a single thing in it. Like I said, outside of Carrie and then maybe Josh and Hugh that work for me. Everything else is literally so bad. <laughs> there's one spoiler thing that I want to talk about, about something that works for me that I think is hilarious in, con- in a context that I'll get into. Hmm. But it's a very small moment and then nothing else works. <laughs> like, it's just bad. Yeah. Um, 
I just hate Guy Ritchie. With, I was like, going to say, I think you're about to be the one here who's like the highest on this movie, though. What do you mean? Because we're both like, this movie's terrible. And you were like, it's not worse than Megan. It's not worse than Megan. Wait, no, I meant Megan was better than this. Yeah, that's what I thought. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. don't mind. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Because um, this was absolute dog shit. Yeah, this is terrible. And I was going to leave halfway through, but I just stuck it out. And I, I've. I've watched it for like 10 minutes. I fell asleep, <laughs> then, which is very on brand for me, and then woke up like 30 minutes later and I still understood what was going on. So that says everything about it. And also, why are you laughing so just, hard? Because it's just funny. <laughs> um, and that says a lot also because I saw it in a theatre that is renowned for its terrible seats. So... The fact that I slept on wood was interesting. But anyway, um, yeah, I. It's just Guy Ritchie. Every Guy Ritchie movie is like this. I'm not. I've literally seen like two of them, so I actually don't know. But I assume that they're all pretty sexist, and in a way that makes their female characters just basically objects. And every time that. It, and this moment does have this movie does have a few like tongue in cheek moments about like feminism, but only in like dude bro and pick me girl ways, and it's just f- absolutely frustrating to watch. And I don't understand how people can watch a movie like this and in- enjoy it. It's just not my kind of movie anyway. But the comedy is just so appalling and. I was just I was just rolling my eyes all the time the whole time and very 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 mad at everything Guy Ritchie does and stands for <laughs> and just read my letterbox review if you want to know how I really feel cuz <laughs> I went all out in that one but All right let's let's just get into spoilers very quickly and talk about this because yeah you're right there are a few things there's a few moments that I want to talk about as well that were weird so let's just talk about spoilers this is your spoiler alert for Operation Fortune so what was your moment so my moment is the very very end of the film and I think it's so funny that this happened it's technically not in the same year, but close enough. Mm. The fact that Hugh Grant is written in to be... At the end, he ends up with Josh Hartnett's character. Yeah. Like, they become a couple. Yeah. Which <laughs> literally happens for about five seconds of screen time. Yeah. And, and it's the same year as Glass Onion. And te- not well, not yeah. technically, but yeah. One movie shows you how to do it, and the other <laughs> one shows you absolutely how not to do it. Um, the, that moment to me is hilarious. Because it's not, in my opinion, based on what we've discussed about Guy Ritchie's tendencies, to me that moment is not played to be genuine and inclusive. It's played like it's supposed to be a punchline. Mm. Like them ending up together and him playing Hugh's character, like actually making the movie that they made up like as a fake movie. Yeah. Him actually playing him. And then having it be like it to me, it was played for laughs and to be a punchline, not to be an inclusive moment thing, which yeah, gross. <laughs> I which, sorry, I have to say is really offensive to me personally because you can't be like I have the opportunity to make 
Hugh Grant and Josh Hartnett, a hot AF couple, and I'm going to use it as a disgusting punchline. What are we doing here? Mm. <laughs> Come on. Um. Yeah, that's there's a, there's a lot of stuff in here. Like, I think Aubrey Plaza gets some awful dialogue. Oh, God, she it's has so bad. Some of the tech dialogue that she has. I'm wondering why she signed on to this movie. Like, was it the money? Like, was she held hostage? I'm not mm-hmm. too sure. Um. The so the other the, the scene that I just that made me think of you and you rolling your eyes and going why am I in here and I went as watching it I was like oh god she's going to be so mad was the scene where um they're saying oh let's go have a nap like just before and he's like oh no I'll you go work and I'll have the nap and I was like oh Alana's gonna that was one of them but it wasn't big one. <laughs> What was the one? What, I what, can't remember. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was just all of it. Yeah, like the, uh, that was the one that I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna get killed. Oh, I'm gonna be killed because I'm making her see this movie." <laughs> I, I was. So, you don't know how close I was to just pulling a strange world and being like, "I'm just not gonna watch this." But we do have a Fast and Furious movie coming out that I really don't want to watch. So, <laughs> I uh, I think the worst of it in terms of being super anti-feminist for me at least was the whole scene on the boat yeah where Mm -hmm. yeah where hugh grant's character is just going in Mm. real hard Mm. like that was super super uncomfortable Mm -hmm. yeah um and i don't know if it's just because the script is bad or because she was uncomfortable but she is horrific Mm. in those scenes like it's just really painful to watch actually and I think, and I think another, and look, 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 look going actually to out the structural problems of this movie is one, there's no bad guy. No. Well, there genuinely isn't actually a bad guy because that, because the whole movie is set up like there is a twist coming that there is someone you know is working for Mike's guys. And then they're like, oh no, Mike's guys are just the bad guys. It's like, so the bad guys have just been the bad guys through the whole movie. But like, but you were trying to make us think they weren't the bad. Guys. Yeah, and it's not played as though it's like an actually like it's the whole movie is playing it like it's going to be a twist. And I get that. Hey, it's the anti-twist. We're just doing it straight. Yeah, you're doing it straight, and it's boring, and I don't care, and it's stupid. Like that. It, that's well, that's they the don't pro- they don't ever actually have a motive. No, it's just money. I was like, okay, that's not interesting, and I don't care. Like, and so. I think what Hugh Grant's trying to do with his character is a little bit interesting and a little bit funny to an extent. Um, but I also think it is inherently sexist. And I think in the hands of a better director and writer, that could have been funny and interesting because yeah. Hugh Grant's talented enough to know this character is inherently sexist and ra- and homophobic and racist. And, and that's the point of him. Yeah, for sure. And he's playing it like that. It's because... It's kind of what he's doing in Gentleman, but I think Gentleman gets away with it a little bit better, more personally. Here, it just does not work at all, and I think, and I, I think all the scenes with him and Hartnett, most of them just aren't particularly funny or entertaining. Yeah. I, like I said, I think Statham's majorly miscast in this. I think the character that they're calling for is a more suave, more. Um, James Bond esque. I, I agree. Type I, character. I don't think he's the right kind of guy for a role like this. Yeah. Um, he just doesn't. 
And I don't know if it's fair to say he's not capable of it, but he just doesn't play. That's just not his thing. He mm. doesn't do the Bond kind of charismatic. Like, yeah. that's just not what he does, um, which made the fact like that really played a huge part in feeling like none of the ensemble had chemistry with mm. each other because he's the center point of the film. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but his chemistry with Plaza's character was negative 700. Yeah. Like, it was just. Yeah. And, like, and I get that. I get if it was going for more the parody approach of here's this guy who's clearly not suave and everything being suave. And, and like, it's like, okay, but it doesn't work. Like, that's either he's miscast because you're trying to do it seriously, which it kind of, which I, I think it is. I think it's trying to play it seriously, but he just doesn't have that ability. But if it's playing it for, for as more of a satire, then it's just not working for that from that approach. And I just think this is a really poorly written, just overall bad film. And I just didn't enjoy it. Really didn't enjoy it. It's one I think it's one of Guy Ritchie's worst films. And yeah, I, I was disappointed because I actually, I actually really enjoyed the trailer. I thought I was like, oh, this could be fun. This I, I really thought this could be fun. I thought you know, I, I'd get more of a kick out of it just because I it felt like a gentleman type movie, and I was like, okay, this could be fun, and it wasn't. It definitely, definitely wasn't, and I'm I'm disappointed. Fair enough. Yeah, I don't really think I have much more to say about it. To be <laughs> nope. honest, like it's and that's the other thing. Like it's just not. It doesn't really take swings. Like it doesn't really try to do anything interesting so there's not even really much to to talk about like it's just kind of paint by the numbers movie that just doesn't succeed in what it's trying to do mm. all right guys uh that's this week's episode uh bit of, sorry for the bit of the downer reviews we uh we're in january it is definitely january movie season so uh well, i mean next week could be pretty epic yeah so next week we finally finally are getting to see damien chazelle's babylon let's go so that will be our big review next week and next week we will find we will give you all of our official Academy Award nominations locked in. Locked locked in. in. So though they will be coming out Tuesday, the Tuesday after you will hear this episode, uh, the next so the next episode. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have our official nominations, and then uh, we'll give you guys a live our uh, live reaction to the nominations. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do a recording for that for you. Oh boy! Yeah, happy always, birthday to me. Yeah, Woo-hoo! they're always fun. <laughs> Goodness gracious, everyone. Um, Until then, guys, Taylor, where can they find you online? Well, I'm currently avoiding Twitter like the plague, but (laughs) at Finally Taylor is where you can find me crying about American football um, for the next couple days. So, yay. (laughs) Come send me photos of cute stuff and help cheer me up, I guess. I don't know. Um, You can find me on Letterboxd at Finally Tailored. Um, See what I've been watching. See... My reviews, I've written some updated reviews on some of the things I've been rewatching, uh, which has been fun. And then YouTube, 
uh, Instagram, just all of the all the places. If there's a social media site, I'm probably on it at Finally Tailored, most likely. Probably. Yeah. You can find me at Elena Violet on Letterboxd and Instagram and Laney Film on TikTok and Twitter. And also you can find all of us on at Lights on the Screen on Instagram. And you guys can find me over at Jacob London on everything and on Twitter tomorrow crying because Last of Us comes out and I'm I apologize for who I am about to become when that show comes out. You so, and Kiara uh, both. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, I'm very excited for this show and I'm going to be bawling my eyes out every single episode. Until then, guys, <laughs> this has been the Lights on the Screen podcast, and we will see you next week. <laughs>